This episode is brought to you by Acorn TV. Acorn TV. And Acorn TV offers world-class mysteries, dramas, comedies, and documentaries from Britain and beyond. So I'm just starting this week a show with Jane Seymour called Harry Wild. Yeah, it's so fun because it falls under the uh, person who is not an official police person or right. or like in, in the judicial department or anything like that is like, I'm going to get involved and I'm going to help you solve this crime, which is one of my favorite types of ladies. And yeah, so Jane Seymour, I guess, is a retired English professor and her son is a police detective and she just can't help but get involved in the cases he's working on. Yes, and they have a new season coming out this month, so it's the perfect time for you to jump in, Nick. And Jane Seymour is wonderful. Wonderful. So you out there, check that out, and check out all the great stuff that Acorn TV has. Sign up for a 30-day free trial with promo code ACORN30 at acorn.tv. Hey there, it's Nick. And it's Leah. So we're doing another live show. Where you raised by wolves live. And this time we're going to be on the West Coast. Portland, Oregon, babies. So come see us on June 15th. And we're going to be at the Siren Theater. And the show starts at 7.30. So go to our website, whereyourraisedbywolves.com slash live and get some tickets. Join us. Hey, everybody. It's Nick Layton. And I'm Leah Bonnema. And we're in New York today. And we had so many questions come in from the wilderness. And they're so great. That we have a bonus episode. So here we go. Our first is from Sydney, Australia. Our writer writes, I recently had an embarrassing moment. A female work colleague who had previously greeted me unprompted with a polite cheek kiss at a conference a month ago was at a meeting last week. I dutifully went in to follow the same procedure, during which time she stuck out her hand to shake mine rather than do a cheek kiss, which proved extremely awkward because I was already in close and I accidentally knocked her glasses off, which went onto the ground and then became a mortifying situation. What is the etiquette for those polite cheek kisses in a work context. Shall I just avoid them? Should I follow the other person's lead? What do I do? So I feel like awkward situations like this are something you've experienced. Oh, this is my life. (laughs) This is my life. I seem to recall you telling some story about like a hug that went out of control. Oh, I mean, I had one this week where this, uh, it was almost this thing. Oh, this thing. Okay. But someone's glasses got stuck in my hair. I mean, it was a whole... Okay. I was also in the middle of doing something. So I was like, how did this happen? (laughs) Okay. But I feel like this is specifically interesting because she did it first. Yeah. That's the wrinkle here. Yeah. And I think in general, kissing rules are totally regional, cultural. One kiss, two kiss, three kiss, left, right. I mean, there's a lot of rules. In France, it it is multiple different ways, depending on what region you're in. Yeah. Hard to keep track of. So I think in general, in a work context... The handshake is always safe. Yeah. She opened the door to this, though. Yeah. So that is not this person's fault. Right. I think, however, in this situation, I would have waited for her to have turned the cheek to sort of invite the kiss part. But I don't think this person should feel embarrassed about this. No. Because she did a cheek kiss first and you were just trying to do what was done to you. Right. That you were just mirroring the behavior. So I think in general, that's a very good, we shake, we shake. We're in in this other place. Now we're doing a double kiss. You know what I mean? So I feel like this couldn't have been helped. Yeah, this may have just been what it is. But I think in general with the kissing that you want to be mindful of what the cultural norm is where you are. Yep. And in general, if you're not sure and you know a kiss is coming, always turn your head to the left. That's always sort of the default. So that you're giving them your right cheek first. Most of the time... That's usually the safest option if we're doing a kiss thing. Yeah. And as a reminder, we're not actually making 
contact with the lips and their cheek. Yeah. That's not something we're doing. Oh, we're not at all. We're not touching their cheek with your mouth. She did a kiss on the cheek. I think he's just referring to a cheek kiss. No, I think he she kissed his cheek. Uh I've I I often I am, I'm not reading this. Oh really? Because I always have people kiss my cheek. And they're making contact oh, with they're, your cheek. Yep, their lips are on my cheek. Okay, yeah. So we don't really want to do that. We want to get up to the cheek. We want to make a cheek kissing sound. Oh, so we're just making noises. Yeah. And okay. then I think and we're not doing like a, a belabored moi. Right. Like it's just a Okay. Very interesting. Good to know. That's really what we're trying to do here. Now, in cheek kissing etiquette, it is often very awkward. Even people in cultures where they do this, like there is sometimes awkwardness. And that's part of the, I guess, the charm of this little social exercise. And that's sort of fine. Yeah. I always, when it went weird, I always am very open about it. I'll laugh and I'll be like, oh. Well, that's your default setting. Yeah, But I feel like that way. Yeah. We can acknowledge it and move on. Yeah. Anytime there's an awkward situation, trying to laugh it off is usually your best choice. Yeah. So yeah, writer from Australia, I think you did okay. I think if you always want to be safe, go for the handshake. And if they then see your handshake and be like, oh no, I'm going in for the kiss, then you have that permission. Yeah. Okay. Our next question comes from Los Angeles and our writer writes, I am at my wit's end, which you know, this is very exciting. Great start. So long story I short. I wish we could have gotten the beginning of what this person's done before. Oh, for sure. I wish I could get a full list. So let me explain. This email came with like attachments and supporting materials. So this woman has a friend who goes rogue anytime she has a dinner party. So like, oh, the dinner party. And like, here's what we're doing for the dinner party. And this friend decides to just like go off script and is not apologetic about it. And so- our writer in Los Angeles is going to have a fried chicken party, mm-hmm. which you're not supposed to invite yourself to someone else's party. But like, if I was going to break that rule, mm-hmm. this sounds great. Sounds so if delicious. you are a guest at this party, you're supposed to bring a type of fried chicken, bring a Korean fried chicken, Southern fried chicken, popcorn chicken, whatever it is, you the guest are bringing a type of chicken. And our host, the letter writer is doing all the sides and all the beverages. Awesome. So this rogue friend is like, great. I'm bringing roast chicken and sides. And it's like, no. Unbelievable. No, I. that's not what this is. And our letter writer makes it clear that this person has behaved this way in the past. This is not a first time. Yes. This is a pattern. Yes. And so the, the question here is like, I want to explain that this is like not okay. What do I say? So. And you absolutely should. Yeah. You're doing this really wonderful, nice, fun thing. Yeah. They cannot come if they can't follow the rules. So, but the question is, how do you say this? Right. Right. So they send a copy of the invitation. It is not unclear what is expected of guests. Oh, it's very clear. And it's very polite, very nice. I would totally attend this party. And there is a co-host on this invitation. Mm -hmm. So it's the letter writer and somebody else. So I think subtle hands have clearly not worked with this person. I think you have a couple options. One is you can throw the other co-host under the bus. Yes. So it'd be like, well, I would love for you to bring roast chicken and sides, but Jasper is very adamant that it has to be fried chicken. I don't think you even have to say, I would love for you to. You can just say, this is Jasper's thing and Jasper's really into the fried chicken. Right, so it has to be fried chicken. You could also, if you wanted to kind of twist the knife a little bit, say something along the lines of like, I feel like when I hear you want to bring roast chicken, use like I statements. I feel that when you bring roast chicken, it makes me feel bad that I'm not hosting an event that would please you. (laughs) Is that too far? I feel... Is that too far? I I mean, I get why... 
Something in that zone. It's a nice, nice knife twisty one. (laughs) I think you could, um, I like to default. I always like to give somebody a, oh, maybe you didn't understand. Uh, Even though I was perfectly clear, you leave that part out. Sure. You write back and you say, hey, oh, I think you misread the invitation. I'm doing the sides and we're inviting people to bring the fried chicken. Mm. If this doesn't work for you, no worries. We can invite you to another event. That's very nice. Yes. That, that may be the best answer. <laughs> Although I do like a nice uh, uh, I statement. I think b- both of those work. It just depends on the tone you want to set. Right. So I think either way, I think we will achieve. You could send a first of, uh, oh, maybe you misunderstood. Mm-hmm. This is it. And then if that doesn't go through, we you go with a, the knife twist. Okay. <laughs> that's your last resort. Yeah. That's when you're like, sorry, this doesn't work for your life. <laughs> right. Sorry, we've ruined it. <laughs> Our next question is about a friend getting divorced. So our letter writer writes, your friend tells you that their divorce has been finalized. What is the appropriate response? I don't think I'm sorry is appropriate given that many are happy to be out of the relationship. Congratulations feels callous. I don't want it to be weird, just supportive. What do I say? Mm-hmm. I was like, I'm hoping Nick, Nick has some, cause I've been in this position. Okay. So I have to go first here. And I mean, I think it comes down to what you think your friend wants to hear. Right. So that's what it's all about because people have many different feelings about divorce. Some of them are sort of relief. Some of them are like thrill. Some of them are just like happy that it's over. You know, there's a lot of emotions. Some people feel like they failed at something and they yeah. need support feeling like what they did was fine. Right. So things you shouldn't say are like, I saw that coming. Yeah, definitely not. Or they weren't good enough for you anyways. Not actually a great thing because that's like you made a bad decision. 50% of marriages end a divorce. So you're average. (laughs) 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 So don't say that. But I think just like follow their lead. Uh, Um, You could also send a gif of uh, freedom. (laughs) I wouldn't do that either. But Uh I mean, these are fun options. Or (laughs) sing it in their voicemail. Yeah. That's good. Freedom. Oh, we don't have the rights to that. Oh. Uh, So (laughs) (laughs) I think what's nice is you just want to say, is there anything I can do for you? I think, you know, that's the right response because that's open-ended non-judgmental, doesn't editorialize the situation. It's just, let's get together for drinks. Right. Or you could say, how do you feel about it? Yeah. Okay. Divorce is finalized. How do you feel? And just sort of like follow their lead. I don't think this is your opportunity to ask for details. But my guess is that if you're friends, you knew the details. You knew this yeah, was happening. Yeah, probably nothing new. Yeah. You in, know the amount. In which the- case, this could be a place where you reaffirm mm-hmm. what they've needed to hear in the past. One thing I have seen happen, because I have been the victim of this, do not say anything about the ex. No. Because anything you say will be used against you. Absolutely. Like, well, Nick said that, you know your macrame habit was a problem. Or they get back together in some weird twist of fate Mm. and you've just trashed them all over the place and then they bring it up again. I've seen that happen. And now it's time for Intermezzo. Intermezzo. So this episode is brought to you by Acorn TV. And Acorn TV offers world-class mysteries, dramas, comedies, and documentaries from Britain and beyond. So on your recommendation, Leah, I started watching Happy Valley. Yes. And now you see how the title is ironic. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And also so much is going on in this town. So much is going on. We already, we start at a 10 and then we keep going up. But I will say the lead, she is so good. She's unbelievable. Why are they better actors over there? She is incredible. 
Yeah. And just, yeah, the way the storytelling is done and the way it's shot, like, oh, it it, it, it got me. It got me. I'm in. I'm, I'm so in. glad. I knew you would love it. I was like, this is great storytelling, great acting. Also, I sweat. I break a full sweat in that show. So you out there, check that out and check out all the stuff that Acorn has. Sign up for a 30-day free trial with promo code ACORN30 at acorn.tv. And now it's time for Intermezzo. Intermezzo. So this episode is brought to you by Book of the Month. I am loving getting to pick my Books of the Months. Is that the appropriate way to pluralize it? I'm loving getting my Books of the Month, but for multiple months now. So Books of the Months. Yeah. Oh, it's so easy to order. It's super convenient. Their selection is wonderful. And this month I picked The Ministry of Time, which sounds wild. It is about a civil servant who's helping to manage some government program where time travelers from other eras like come to help with something. And then they apparently fall in love. What? So like this guy from the 1800s is like, what's Spotify? And then like, you know, love happens. So I cannot wait to receive this. <laughs> you know, love happens. And you out there, you're going <laughs> to love Book of the Month. So you can get your first book for just $5 with code PEDALS. So go to bookofthemonth.com and use code PEDALS to get your first book for just $5. Our next question comes from somebody who has some big dinners at home, which is at a casual dinner for family and friends, who should go first in the serving line? So it's sort of like that whole, like, you go first. No, you go first. No, I insist. No, I insist. No, you go first. And this goes on forever. So what do you do about that? Who I feel, goes first? I feel like it's the hosts. You you get to say who goes first. You're hosting. No. Hosts go last. Yeah, hosts go last. But if there's a bunch of people and about to, like, walk up to the buffet line, you don't be like, Leah, no, you go I first. No, but I mean, if the people are like, you go first, it's the host. You're the host. You say, no, no, you guys get to go. Right. But now it's you guys, and now there's several you guys, who among the you guys steps up first. And so there's two people who are like, oh, no, you go first. You go first. Well, we could do a, uh, I'm going to put numbers in a bowl. Okay. And you guys want to make That's it efficient. We can... We've really helped our, our writer here. <laughs> Thank you so much. No, I think the, the method is it's offer, refuse, offer, accept. Okay. You go first. No, you go. No, I insist. And then this is where you say, okay. Okay. Thank you so much. Yes. Okay. Okay. Thank you so much. Offer to refuse, offer, accept. Okay. And that's it. Okay. Great. Our next question. If you accidentally take a bite of bone and fish, how do you deal with the cartilage? I ran into this problem at a lunch meeting at work. I took a bite in the midst of conversation with the coworker and not wanting to leave the room with a mouthful of food, I discreetly grabbed the bones from my mouth with my hand. A few minutes later, this happened to my coworker and she stepped out into the bathroom to spit it out, which I assume is a more polite alternative. What should I do in the future? So have you had this problem? I've gotten a bone in a chicken. Okay. So like a similar thing. And so what did you do? I very discreetly put my napkin up to my mouth. Oh, and spit it out of the napkin. And it, didn't, it wasn't even a spit because I would no noise whatsoever. It just, mm -hmm. I made it look like it was a, a face wipe, uh -huh. like, a, a, like a lip dab. Okay. And then it just, oop, right in there. Yeah. So I don't love that. Why? So the etiquette rule here is the way things go in are the way they go out, mm. which Actually, at first glance, sounds like a really weird rule. Yeah, it does. But what this rule means is if you eat something with a fork and then there's something that is objectionable, it should be taken out of your mouth on the fork. So you would take this little bone and you'd try to like with your tongue, push the bone out onto the fork and then remove the fork from your mouth and then kind of dump off the bone onto the side of your plate. 
Oh, okay. Or if you're eating soup and the same problem and you have a soup spoon, that would be the same thing. If you're eating that chicken with your hand, then your hand would be the same way in which we would remove the bone. Okay. To spit it out or to pretend we're wiping our mouth with a napkin and letting a chicken bone just sort of willy-nilly drop out of your mouth using the power of gravity. It's not dropping. It's just subtly getting ootsed into the napkin. Sure. Yes. To ootsed. It's not causing a scene. The verb to ootsed is not appropriate here. So, so then I just put it on the side of my plate with my fork or a spoon? If you were eating this chicken with your hands, then you could use your hands. If you're eating this chicken with this fork, ideally we'd use the fork. If it is not possible to do this discreetly, then yes, your hands are okay. But I'm saying, where does it go? On the side of your plate as well. Okay. Fine. Yes. Um, not on the table, Obviously to clarify. Not. Even I know that. Not on the floor. Not, <laughs> not in your water glass. So I just shouldn't just spit it right out onto the floor I mean, and, try to, and try to hit a can while I do it. Sometimes I feel like I need to clarify. <laughs> So that's, I think, the polite way to get up out of the chair with food in your mouth, run to the bathroom to spit. Feels like you've made a bigger production of this. Than yeah, that required. seems like a very large scene. So I, I don't care for that. So I think <laughs> Nick does not care for it. I don't care for that. So that's the general rule when like there's something in your mouth that you want to take out of your mouth. So our next question is a listener suggestion about gifts. So uh, we have previously talked about horrible gifts, dream catchers. Large photographs. There was a huge painting. Right. And so our writer just wants to share that her general rule is that you should never give a gift to someone that has to be displayed. For example, and this is her words, a three by four foot mirror with an ad for Southern Comfort (laughs) that a dear friend expects you to hang on the mantle for 20 years. So... It also says ditto for clothes. Right. Yes. And also don't give people clothing. So I guess I agree if you are giving someone clothing uh, and you don't know their taste, that know they like it. Like if you give someone a bad sweater and expect them to now wear it. Yeah. I guess this is the same rule. But I I don't think there's a problem in giving someone clothing and then not and then don't be like, oh, I haven't seen you in that. But you can give it to them and then just. Yeah. I mean, I guess if there's. Just don't expect to see it. It's the expectation of the display. Yes. That is the problem. But I don't think giving clothes is a, because sometimes people purchase very lovely things. I've gotten some very nice clothes. Yeah. If it's your taste and you like the thing, this is always a fine gift. And also people want to take chances. It's the expecting to see it. That's the problem. Yeah. What do you mean people want to take chances? Well, something that I might not necessarily make buy for myself, but like, say you're like, this is a great blue scarf. Mm. And, okay. uh. You so know. if you want to take a chance on a gift you may or may not like. No, but I mean, they think it's in my wheelhouse. Oh, okay. You know what I mean? Okay. I don't yeah. want people to get so nervous that it's wrong, that they don't do something they wanted to do. Yeah. That's okay. Okay. I get that. Our next question is another rant from, well, rant is strong. Well, actually they use the word rant. So it's a rant. Your recent show about voicemail remind me about a pet peeve. So here's a rant. Okay. Why do people leave their callback number like they are an auctioneer? ready to move on to the next sale. I always repeat my callback number when leaving a voicemail. If you really want me to call you back, can you just take the extra five seconds to repeat your number and don't rattle it off super fast? Yeah. Okay. I agree. I think people sometimes repeat their number very fast because they're anxious. Because leaving a voicemail gives people anxiety? Yeah. No. They feel like they need to hang up before that lady comes on and says it's over. Are you leaving five-minute voicemails? I don't know. I'm just you, trying to find You got a lot of time people, before the lady comes on. Why people might do this. Also, often your phone tells you what the phone number was. 
Yeah, I think this is becoming less and less of a problem because we do have visual voicemail. Although I do have a work voicemail system where it is so complicated. Like you have to push like star eight, nine to replay and then like pound four to pause. And it's like nothing makes sense. And to get the actual caller ID out of this phone system is like impossible. So if someone doesn't leave their phone number like in the message, like it's impossible. Yeah, I mean, I always leave my number and I, I think because I have to spell my name so much, I'm so used to speaking slowly mm-hmm. and saying everything very, I, I definitely leave my number slowly. Yeah. I just, oh, I'm always like, maybe that person has a fear of speaking out loud. Uh-huh. Why do you, why do you always have to make excuses for people? I don't know. Sometimes people can just do bad things. Well, I, you're right. So when I leave a voicemail, I'd like to say my name and number at the very top and at the end. Yes. Because if you miss it, then you can replay the message and get my number without having to listen to the whole message again. Yeah, I do the same thing. So, hey, Nick Layton, 267, call RBW. Here's the thing we talked about. Okay, great. Again, it's Nick Layton, 267, call RBW. Perfect. Great voicemail. It's so nice to know that we're doing the same thing on one thing. Uh, hey. Common ground. Okay, we find it finally. Our next question is about deceptive dating profiles. So recently, I've met, this is a person, not me. Recently, I've met people on dating apps that have either substantially edited their pictures or used a picture that is obviously from several years ago. I know we all like to post the best photos of ourselves on social media and dating apps, but when does editing or touching up go too far? When are photos too old to still be used? Where is that line between posting your best self and catfishing? Mm. I gathered from this email that it was being done to them. (laughs) Yes, I think they're the recipient (laughs) of the catfishing. And I feel like a lot of times people want their questions for us to give permission to validate that like, yeah, it's inappropriate that someone is being deceptive. Yes. I mean, I think he knows the answer here. He just wants to hear other same people say this. Yeah, because, you know, you want to be polite to people and be like, I get why they did that. But no, this person is being dishonest. You're presenting dishonest information about yourself. But he wants to know, like, where is that line? That I mean, I honestly think the poster, the poster knows where the line is. You know <laughs> okay. what I mean? You know when it's too much. Okay. You know when something is a good angle and completely unrealistic. You know about good angles and bad angles. I, uh, I mean, it feels like a million years ago because I've been with the same person for a long time. But I, I went on a internet date with a gentleman who was at least... 15 years older than his picture. There was no way. So he was sepia tone photo. Yeah, it was in no world was this acceptable. Okay. And then it wasn't even brought up. Oh, we're just going to let it go. Yeah. And I didn't know, you know, you're like, this is unbelievable. So I think the question here is, when is it an etiquette question? And when is it like a dating advice question? Because here we try and keep in the world of the etiquette. Right. You know, like, oh, should I break up with my boyfriend? I don't know. Can I do it on a text message? Yeah, we have something to say about that. It's a good point. There's a very yeah. good line. So like, but like whether or not you, so, so this, I think if we have to think about this in the lens of etiquette, I think the etiquette infraction here is about wasting people's time. Right. So I think when the deception gets to the point where you have wasted someone's time, now this is an etiquette crime. Right. So if you show up at the date and you look so different where it is clearly a waste of my time to be here, crime, etiquette crime. Right. And I think you can say- this is an etiquette crime. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. I will not be able to have drinks with you because you've committed an etiquette crime. And I am calling 
I'm making a citizen's arrest. You have the right to remain silent. Yes, while I leave. <laughs> I would never. Of course, I would sit there until you would. You would. You would just. Stay, you get married. You'd be like, ah, oh, guess I have to. I feel guilty. But yeah, I think once it once it crosses that line where like you have wasted my time now. Like this is clearly just so different. But then I guess as the reality of the situation and the photograph gets closer and closer, then the crime gets smaller and smaller. Right. So I guess you know where that line is. Yeah. I mean, I know people know everybody's insecure about what they look like and everybody wants to show their best selves. But in the end, you're not doing yourself any favors either. No. I mean, I think you want to have photos that look accurate. Mm -hmm. You want also a cross-section of photos that provides sort of a nice 360 degree view of your world and look and some different angles and all that. Um, And you also want, you know, truth in advertising. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I mean, of course, people put nice versions of pictures. Yes. I don't want DMV photos. Like, I, I don't want bad photos up of myself. I don't want to look my worst. Yeah. I was at an audition once, and this is very related, and the casting director came out to yell at a girl in front of the rest of us because her photo was so different than what she looked like that she was, exactly what you said, wasting time. Okay. And the woman, the casting director said, I understand that everybody here has glam shots or a version of that. And, but if you could never look like this photo with hair and makeup, then you can't use it. You've disrespected my, and she did it in front of everybody. Wow. So that's rude. I mean, it was unbelievable. I had a panic attack for that woman. It was just, I was like, you look great. You look different, but great. (laughs) Well, I didn't see the photo. Wow. But I was like, oh my goodness. Yeah. I mean, that's, that definitely, that level of deception is not good professionally. Yeah. I mean, it seems like an infraction on both parties at that point. And a non-etiquette tip, but a good dating tip is don't go on an internet date with somebody where there's food involved, stick beverages, it's shorter. You know, if you only spent 30 minutes for coffee and $5 and you got catfished, you'll be a lot less annoyed by it than if you spent 50 bucks and like an hour and a half with somebody and got catfished. Right. And also you're going to know right away whether or not it's somebody you want to spend more time with. Yeah. If you get hungry and want to do a nibble, extend the date, have at it. Have at it. Have at it. And our last question is about being a house guest. So if you're a house guest, do you strip the bed of the sheets or not? I always ask my host. Correct. I say, hey, you know, when it's my leaving day, Mm -hmm. hey, would you like me to strip the sheets and throw them in the washer? Or because I think sometimes people actually want to be the person to do that. Yeah. Some people like, I'm not going to get to it right away. So now like I want a wad of laundry in my way. Just leave it on the bed. I always offer though. Yeah. So you always want to ask. This is key. Ask your host what you should do. If you have not had this conversation and you aren't sure, leaving it is the default answer. Leaving it and making the bed. Always make the bed. Yes. But also house guest tip. You should always make the bed every morning of your stay. Hosts hate when guests like leave the bed unmade. So just do that as a baseline. But yes, leave the bed made. Even if you strip the sheets, you should still also try and make the bed with whatever's left. Yeah, just so, so the blankets the on top. Nice and put the comforter like where it's supposed to go and do that. If you take the sheets off and they're like, oh, just leave them in the room. You should fold the sheets. I would fold the sheets and leave them at the bottom of the bed. Do your best with the fitted sheet. I know it's hard for people. Yeah, it's a wild. Do your best. How are you with the fitted sheet? Well, you know, one of my my first job was in housekeeping. Oh. I was a, you know, in Maine, people start working early. So, um. Four? (laughs) You get a job before. You get a job before it's legal. So, um, I worked at a, like a small motel or in, in, in. Okay. And so I was in housekeeping. Oh. Oh, so you, you know your way around a fitted sheet. Yeah. Okay. So not a problem. And then I got bumped up to, um. 
breakfast chef because the breakfast chef didn't show up one day. Blueberry pancakes. And they were like, get in there. Okay. And then when I was old enough, I got moved to waitress. Wow. Okay. Did not know this. Mm-hmm. Okay. So I can do a fitted sheet under duress, but I don't. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Do you have fitted sheets now? Doesn't everybody have a fitted sheet? No, some people do flat sheets. We digress. So do you have questions for us about sheets or anything else? Send them to us. You can send them to us through our website, wereyoureisedbywolves.com, or you can leave us a voicemail. We want to hear your voice. Leave us a voicemail. They're so fun. They're kind of the best part, and and we would really appreciate it. So leave us a voicemail, 267-CALL-RBW. Or if you're shy, you can send us a text message. Which we appreciate, too. We like that, but we want to hear your voice. Mm -hmm. So do that. And we'll see you next time. Bye. Bye. This episode is brought to you by Acorn TV. Acorn TV. And Acorn TV offers world-class mysteries, dramas, comedies, and documentaries from Britain and beyond. So I'm just starting this week a show with Jane Seymour called Harry Wild. Yeah, it's so fun because it falls under the uh, person who is not an official police person or right. or like in, in the judicial department or anything like that is like, I'm going to get involved and I'm going to help you solve this crime, which is one of my favorite types of ladies. And yeah, so Jane Seymour, I guess, is a retired English professor and her son is a police detective and she just can't help but get involved in the cases he's working on. Yes, and they have a new season coming out this month. So it's the perfect time for you to jump in, Nick. And Jane Seymour is wonderful. Wonderful. So you out there, check that out and check out all the great stuff that Acorn TV has. Sign up for a 30-day free trial with promo code ACORN30 at acorn.tv. This episode is brought to you by Acorn TV. Acorn TV. And Acorn TV offers world-class mysteries, dramas, comedies, and documentaries from Britain and beyond. So I'm just starting this week a show with Jane Seymour called Harry Wild. Yeah, it's so fun because it falls under the uh, person who is not an official police person or right. or like in, in the judicial department or anything like that is like, I'm going to get involved and I'm going to help you solve this crime, which is one of my favorite types of ladies. And yeah, so Jane Seymour, I guess, is a retired English professor and her son is a police detective and she just can't help but get involved in the cases he's working on. Yes, and they have a new season coming out this month, so it's the perfect time for you to jump in, Nick. And Jane Seymour is wonderful. Wonderful. So you out there, check that out and check out all the great stuff that Acorn TV has. Sign up for a 30-day free trial with promo code ACORN30 at acorn.tv.